Welcome back to another edition of the ASEP Equal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jason Woods. Today, we've got some of our favorites back talking with us about thoracic aortic dissection and the ASEP clinical guideline that was published in 2015. Our guests are Dr. Jay Schur, one of the co-directors of the Equal Network, and you've heard before. Dr. Deborah Dirks, who you've also heard before, and is the chair of the Department of Emergency Medicine at UT Southwestern. And Dr. Kaushal Shah from Weill Cornell, who's the vice chair of education. All three of our guests today were on the writing committee for the ASEP clinical policy regarding thoracic aortic dissection. First up, Dr. Schur, can you give us an overview of thoracic aortic dissection and an idea of why ASEP tackled this with a clinical policy? So briefly, practicing emergency physicians are quite aware of thoracic aortic dissection as it's one of the deadliest cardiovascular diseases encountered in the emergency department. In-hospital mortality has been reported to be up to a quarter, even under optimal conditions. It's a difficult-to-diagnose condition and study because of the very low incidence, which is quoted somewhere between 3 and 4 per 100,000 per year, and the varied clinical presentations. This incidence means that there are somewhere between five and 10,000 cases annually in the United States, and as many of these don't make it to the hospital, the number that we get to see in the emergency department is smaller than this total. The emergency physician must walk a careful line between the significant risks of missing or delayed diagnosis and the considerable clinical and financial burden of overtesting for this rare entity with common presenting symptoms. In light of these conditions, the American College of Emergency Physicians put together a clinical policy committee working group to issue a policy statement in 2014. The three of us were on the writing committee for this clinical policies, which is available on the website of the American College of Emergency Physicians. As a brief background, the ASEP clinical policies committee uses a general framework of recommendations. They draft critical questions that are thought to be important for the practicing emergency clinician, and then review the literature, coming up with the possibility of recommendations in three groups. Level A recommendations are generally accepted principles for patient care that reflect a high degree of clinical certainty. That means evidence from at least one class evidence one study or multiple class of evidence two studies. So high quality, large prospective randomized trials for uh, treatment or diagnostic testing. Level B recommendations are for patient care that may identify a particular strategy or range of strategies that reflect moderate clinical certainty. And this is based on evidence from one or more class of evidence two studies or a strong consensus of class of evidence three studies. Level C recommendations are based on class of evidence three studies or expert consensus. In instances where recommendations are made on consensus, it's placed in parentheses at the end of the recommendation. It's really important to keep those levels of recommendations in mind when evaluating these policies, this one and any others that you're looking at from ASEP. As a review, there are grades A through C with A being the most robust. Now, Dr. Sher, this policy is centered around five clinical questions. Can you walk us through the first one? The first clinical question was in adult patients with suspected acute non-traumatic thoracic aortic dissection, are there clinical decision rules 
that identify a group of patients at very low risk for the diagnosis of thoracic aortic dissection. This is a really important question since somewhere between 8 and 10% of emergency apartment patients present with symptoms that could be thoracic dissection, including chest pain, syncope, upper abdominal pain. Now, in regards to this question, one score was identified. It's called the Aortic Dissection Detection Risk Score, but it's based on consensus and only retrospective studies. And the eventual recommendation for this clinical question received a C. Can you tell us how that was worded? I won't review all of the studies that were reviewed for the ASEP clinical policy because what was come up with was a level C recommendation. As these studies were retrospective and not thought to completely capture the range of patients we saw in the emergency department. So the recommendation was in an attempt to identify patients at very low risk for acute non-traumatic thoracic aortic dissection, do not use existing clinical decision rules alone. The decision to pursue further workup for acute non-traumatic aortic dissection should be at the discretion of the treating physician. Well, that's not very encouraging from a guideline standpoint. What about the second question? Is the evidence any better there? The second question had to do with the use of D-dimer, specifically in adult patients with suspected acute non-traumatic thoracic aortic dissection. Is a negative serum D-dimer sufficient to identify a group of patients at very low risk for the diagnosis of thoracic aortic dissection? This is important because, as we know, the definitive diagnosis for aortic dissection is made with imaging, but imaging is both expensive and time-consuming and can require patients leaving the emergency department. And so a blood test could, if appropriate, help screen some patients who may not need imaging. In the clinical policy, there were 82 articles identified, 24 selected, and 11 studies that were included as having potentially relevant evidence for this question. Unfortunately, the studies suffer from significant selection bias and vary widely in the assays used to measure D-dimer. The selection bias relates to the fact that few of the studies looked at the group of patients that we see in the emergency department, undifferentiated patients with chest pain and other symptoms in whom the clinician is concerned for thoracic dissection. Even though the cutoff value for a positive test result, as well as the type of assays used to measure D-dimer values, varied in the studies reviewed. D-dimer was highly sensitive for diagnosing acute thoracic dissection, with sensitivities ranging from 91 to 100%. However, given the low quality of the these studies, which are rated as class 3, strong recommendations about the routine use of D-dimer testing alone could not be made at the time of the policy. A couple other takeaways about D-dimer from these studies. There are several conditions that may result in a lower false D-dimer value in patients with proven thoracic dissection. Those include a chronic dissection, a prolonged time from symptom onset, presence of thrombosis or intramural hematoma, short length of dissection, or young age of patient. Additionally, if a patient has a positive D-dimer, the diagnosis of thoracic aortic dissection can't be made without definitive imaging. So the clinical policy gave a level C recommendation that in adult patients with suspected non-traumatic thoracic aortic dissection do not rely on D-dimer alone to exclude the diagnosis of aortic dissection. Unfortunately, that's a second level C recommendation. I think you mentioned that there were some recent articles out on this subject, though, that would not have been included in the guidelines because of when they were published. Can you go over those in relation to those first two questions? And for the listeners out there, the first article is entitled Diagnostic Accuracy of the Aortic Dissection Detection Risk Score 
plus D-dimer for acute aortic syndromes, the advised prospective multicenter study. And the second is titled, What is the Specificity of the Aortic Dissection Detection Risk Score in a Low Prevalence Population? And that was published by Ole et al. in Academic Emergency Medicine in 2018. The clinical policy was published in 2015. And since then, there's been important evidence that we wanted to review as part of this topic. I'll turn it over to Dr. Dierks uh, to update us on some of this evidence. Thanks, Jay. I think it's also important to remember that although the clinical policy was actually published in 2015, we actually have been working on it for a couple of years. And so whenever you look at one of these clinical policies, realize that we may miss some key articles, not only about before, right before publishing, but also after. And I think the area of aortic dissection is such an important area that we're seeing more and more published on it. One of the articles that came out since the publication of our of the clinical policy was this one looking at the diagnostic accuracy of aortic dissection risk score plus a D-dimer, so really combining question one and two. It was done in a multi-center population, patients who presented to the emergency department with a complaint of chest pain, abdominal pain, back pain, syncope, or signs of a perfusion deficit. Patients were enrolled 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, and these were European locations mostly. What this study showed is that when you combine the aortic dissection risk score with a score zero and in a patient that's D-dimer negative, that you're going to miss 0.3% of all patients who had dissection. They used also an efficiency rate of how good is this test and how will it really change your, out, um, your outcomes and found that it really only had an efficiency rate of 15.9%. I'm adding a little bit of clarification here because I was not familiar with this efficiency rating. And this paper defined it as the number of patients with a negative D-dimer within a risk category divided by the number of total enrolled patients. They then compared what happens if I use an aortic dissection risk score of less than or equal to one in the setting of D-dimer. What they found then is actually the failure rate was the same, but the efficiency rate would be up. In other words, you wouldn't, you'd improve your specificity. Now this study had a couple of areas that, were ra- that raised concern. One is the overall prevalence of aortic dissection in the patient population is relatively high. It's not anywhere what we see in the United States. The second is when you look at it, the enrollment criteria may not be exactly what we use in the US. So one of the things that when you look at this study is this is added data to suggest that using a risk score and an NV dimer does improve our diagnostic accuracy. It's not going to be perfect, but if you use these pathways in a relatively high prevalence of disease, you're really going to miss one of 300 dissections, which really overall is pretty good. This last one was published recently in Academic Emergency Medicine, and it's a look at all these other studies are great. They've been done in a rigorous manner, high quality, but they're done in patient populations where in some settings, the prevalence of aortic dissection was almost close to 20%, and that is not at all what we see in the U.S. So in this study, they actually narrowed the population down. They said, look, we're even get rid of the low hind fruit, and we're going to look at those patients, a total of 370 patients that underwent CT for suspected aortic syndrome, acute aortic syndrome. Again, very similar. These patients presented with chest pain, back pain, abdominal pain, syncope, and stroke. But the 
prevalence and the final diagnosis of aortic dissection was actually only made in 3.2% of the patients. So what they showed in this is that when you use the aortic dissection as a risk marker and using a score of greater or equal to one, that had a sensitivity of 100%, but the specificity of only 12.3%. The negative likelihood ratio was very good, but the positive likelihood ratio is much lower than we expect. So this study raises a concern that perhaps using the aortic dissection risk score is, and especially in conjunction with the D-dimer, may be useful in excluding the diagnosis. But if we use these scores to help guide testing, we're actually going to be testing way more people than we need to be. And actually, we'll have poor predictive value from that kind of strategy. The study also raised the concerns on why there's so much difference. And one of the reasons may be some of these studies that have led to the use of the error dissection risk score have been derived retrospectively, and we really don't have a true prospective validation. Okay, so we're through the first two out of five questions. Dr. Shaw, can you take us to the third? One of the important questions that was asked in this clinical policy that I think is very relevant to emergency physicians is, is the diagnostic accuracy of a CTA at least equivalent to TEE or MRA to exclude the diagnosis of thoracic aortic dissection. Like many of you, I was taught that a single study could not rule out an aortic dissection, that the gold standard was the aerotogram, and that you would need um, at least two studies to definitively say that this is not an aortic dissection. But we've known over the years that CTA has gotten so good that most of us are ordering that as our first test and quite possibly our only test. So this question reviewed the literature to determine uh, if we could continue to use CTA as our sole test to rule out aortic dissection. There's actually some good evidence. This was the first class one study was a systematic review and meta-analysis. And the reference for the study that Dr. Shaw is talking about here is Shiga et al., titled Diagnostic Accuracy of Transesophageal Echocardiography, Helical Computed Tomography, and Magnetic Resonance Imaging for Suspected Aortic Dissection. And it identified three very good articles. There were three studies on helical CT that showed 100% sensitivity and 98% specificity. When you compare that to TEE and MRI, the numbers, again, are, are, are excellent uh, and look like helical CT is just as good as TEE and MRI. There were two other papers that I'm not going to review, but there is uh, the n- next paper was a nice prospective study of 373 cases in the emergency department. This will be the last reference of the day. This one is Hader et al., titled Suspected Aortic Dissection and Other Aortic Disorders, Multi-Detector Row CT in 373 Cases in the Emergency Setting. The sensitivity and specificity continue to be extremely high at 99% and 100%. But the other additional thing that I think is really important to note is that the CT was able to identify other diagnoses. So in conclusion, the Clinical Policies Committee was able to give this question a level B recommendation which is emergency physicians may use CTA to exclude thoracic aortic dissections because it has accuracy similar to that of TE and MRA. The next question in the clinical policy relates to the use of thoracic, transthoracic echo. In adult patients with suspected acute non-traumatic thoracic aortic dissection, does an abnormal bedside TTE establish the diagnosis of thoracic aortic dissection? 
As we know, the diagnosis of thoracic aortic dissection is time sensitive and frequently complicated by hemodynamic instability. So that limits our ability clinically to send the patient out of the emergency department for tests such as CT or MRI. TTE can be conducted at the bedside on an unstable patient. And as the number of emergency physicians trained to perform TTT increases, it is immediately available in an increasing number of emergency departments. So in review for the clinical policy, 51 studies were identified, but only six could be included. And there were a few high-quality studies addressing this important diagnostic question in ED populations. The studies suffered from some degree of spectrum bias because they enrolled a population with a higher prevalence of thoracic aortic dissection than that typically reported in ED patients being evaluated for thoracic aortic dissection. Many studies of TTE included TTEs that were performed after a diagnosis of dissection had already been established. This likely inflated the sensitivity of the test. Four of the six included studies are older than 20 years, limiting the generalizability as uh, the technology has improved significantly over time. None of the studies evaluated emergency physician-performed TTE. Rather, they evaluated TTE performed by echo technicians or cardiologists. Despite these limitations, it's worth reviewing the largest and the best study. A class two study by Evangelista evaluated 143 consecutive patients. Eight had immediate indications for surgery due to hemodynamic instability and TTE findings consistent with thoracic aortic dissection. Seven had inadequate echo windows, and 128 had adequate echo windows. The prevalence of thoracic dissection was 60% among the entire enrolled population, clearly higher than what we see in the emergency department. The diagnostic test characteristics were 74% sensitivity and specificity, not good enough to rely upon. There were five classes three studies, and the sensitivity ranged from 59% to 80%, and the specificity ranged across the board. This led to a level B recommendation that in adult patients with suspected non-traumatic thoracic aortic dissection do not rely on abnormal bedside TTE result to definitively establish the diagnosis of thoracic aortic dissection. There was no recommendation made that was level A. There was a level C recommendation that in adult patients with suspected non-traumatic thoracic aortic dissection, immediate surgical consultation or transfer to a higher level of care should be considered if a TTE is suggestive of aortic dissection, and this was a consensus recommendation. The final question that was addressed in the clinical policy had to do with clinical care for targeted heart rate and blood pressure lowering. In adult patients with acute non-traumatic thoracic aortic dissection, does targeted heart rate and blood pressure lowering reduce morbidity and mortality? We know that the leading cause of death in patients with thoracic dissection is not the intimal tear, but it's the progressive dissection that results in rupture and hemodynamic collapse. Progression of dissection has been attributed to the pulsatile nature of blood flow. Wheat described two key forces that can be targeted the kinetic energy of blood flow that can be reduced by reducing velocity, and the pressure differentials throughout the aorta. This is based on basic science studies largely conducted in animals. Medications that reduce heart rate and blood pressure have been recommended in the acute treatment of aortic dissection based on these principles and are the mainstay of emergency medicine therapy uh, besides rapid transfer for surgical intervention. 
In their study from 1968, Wheat and Palmer suggested lowering blood pressure to 100 millimeters of mercury to 120. They also inferred that the optimal blood pressure is the lowest one that maintains mentation and urine output. Major specialty consensus guidelines currently present therapeutic targets of heart rate of 60 and systolic blood pressure less than 120. Yet there's limited data to support any specific recommendations. The clinical policy reviewed and found 55 articles, 37 were selected for further review, and one study was included. In a class three study by Kodama, 171 patients with thoracic dissection were followed for 27 months based on heart rate control and blood pressure control. And this was measured multiple times per day. And there was a target heart rate that was defined as an average rate three, five, and seven days after the onset of treatment. In patients with tight blood pressure control, the rate of adverse events was lower in those who also met the heart rate target. This is a group of patients who are going to be medically managed with dissection. Maintaining a systolic blood pressure greater than 140 has not been independently associated with an increase in aortic size in a multivariate analysis. So on this important topic around management of hemodynamics, uh, the policy has a level C recommendation. In adult patients with acute non-traumatic thoracic aortic dissection, decreased blood pressure and pulse if elevated. However, there are no specific targets that have been demonstrated a reduction in a morbidity and mortality. And that is going to bring us to the end of our ASEP equal discussion on the ASEP clinical policy for thoracic aortic dissection. Thank you so much for listening. I've been your host, Dr. Jason Woods. You can find me on Twitter at jwoodsmd. You can find the rest of the ASAP Equal series through the podcast feed or at the Academic Life in Emergency Medicine blog, www.aliem.com.